you know, and they, well, everyone walks around with their phone with selfies and, and pictures and uh, whether it's the workplace, their private life. And it's like, look, you, less is less that we know is better. So just know, just know you guys are, are coming at my generation, by the way. So welcome to Ventures and Visionaries, the nexus of innovation and leadership. In each episode, join us as we engage industry giants and explore the intersection of technology, business, and forward-thinking strategies. Get ready for a compelling discussion that illuminates the path to business success in the modern world. No, well, I don't understand. I'm kidding. Greg. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm let's kidding. bring Greg in. Let's bring Greg in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. By the way, just to point out, Greg is a professional lacrosse player, and he can beat the living daylights out of all of us. <laughs> Just saying. No, where's so, yeah. the flow bucket, Greg? Yeah. I don't see any flow bucket. I, I can't do the flow because this is as long as my hair will get until it turns into the most curly hair you'll ever see. Like, I can't even put my helmet on. <laughs> it, it's, it's insanity. Yeah, but Greg is used to all this new high-tech equipment. I got an old-fashioned, you know, Brazilian cherry hardware depot. That if I hit you with it, you're going to know you got hit with it more so than one of those fiberglass poles. That that's true, Erwin. <laughs> Erwin, that was uh, I want to say middle school for me is when they banned the wooden shafts, and I just remember carrying it, and you could barely even hold it. It was so heavy. Now they're like, but it was good. It was good because oh. if you could use that for practice, you could be able to whip that stick around on the field oh, in yeah. the game. <laughs> nice. I, I actually wanted to take that in a slightly different direction, and that is, you know, the responsibility of leadership. Meaning, like, if if the younger generation is, in fact, dealing with um, a lack of proper leaders who are not able to articulate a good vision, not able to get them to buy into a mission, not able to help them understand why they should do this, and all they're getting from social media, um, as Erwin pointed out, is some other nonsense that, you know, they don't really understand or want or deal with and they look at all these you know little reels that say you know just do this and you know here's an amazon trick to make a million dollars a month and everyone's like yeah why don't i just do that i think well, i don't know why don't i do that you know yeah. and, um, the question becomes, that's what they're like, doing <laughs> the ones that can <laughs> right but but how many of those are are actually succeeding what two percent one percent i mean very it's few be a tiny, right, it's got to be a tiny little percent of the people who are succeeding just like in any other business. You know, and the more we talk about the inability of people to embrace growth and change um, and balance that against operational excellence, so what exactly are we dealing with? Because we would be looking at people who otherwise, uh, I think Steve was the one who said this, like really put their head in the sand. Reality isn't what it is. They think it's something else and they kind of like, I don't know, just pretend that they're going through emotions that don't really have impact on any level. Um, I don't know. Sorry for soapboxing on that one. Well, look, I mean, what, what, you know, like to get on with your question or comment, Morty, around leadership. I, I Look, I think the great thing about, you know, being an entrepreneur or a business manager or a business leader is that you, you, you're picking your talent. Of course, you have to source it and you have to get it in front of you and you have to have a story that's attractive to, to get the talent in the door. But you're picking the talent. And if I'm looking across the table from somebody who doesn't get you know, fundamental responsibility, you know, somebody who is uh, looking to blame society or any other any other thing 
at all. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a next, you know, that that's the shortest interviews I have. Once I get a sense, I smell that somebody is not going to, to, to be a responsible agent, uh, in the, in, in my company, that's the most noxious type of player that you can possibly have in, 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 to go through your door. So I think that the biggest, the biggest screen I have is if somebody wants, has a, is prone to go to like that they uh, have somehow been victimized uh, by the organization or, you know, the stories they tell about themselves, you know, that's the fastest screen and the most important screen by far that I use. Maybe, maybe, maybe elaborate on, you know, either a story of, you know, somewhere where you've sniffed it out or, you know, some other questions that you tend to ask in order to determine whether or not. Well, I mean, you know, you, you, you get a lot of that through sort of the sideways listening. So you kind of listen with the slant. But like if you're talking to somebody who's like when you look at their resume and they've they've jumped around a lot, for example, there's lots of great reasons to, to jump around. But if but if they're telling you each story and they say, well, the boss did this or my colleague did, you know, did like one story about them not being, uh, you know, in control of their experience. And of course, the truth is, is they're not fully in control of their experience, but, they're, but they're, if they're not owning what happened to them uh, and don't express, you know, and they don't, you know, like some people come in and say exactly what I'm saying. And I listen to that, but you, you really want to listen to how they share what has happened to them in terms of their historical experiences or what they want to do in the future. If, they, if there's, if there's a, a lot of limitations and explanations about failure that are everybody else's fault, uh, then, you know, you're, you're dealing with, uh, you're dealing with the personality that's not going to, for me, I, I'm dealing with personality I don't want in my organization. I want to, in, I don't want them anywhere near my organization. So, I mean, you could get more specific, but that's the gist, Morty. No, Erwin, what do you think? What are your, what are your experiences? I, you know, leadership is, is important, but I, I think people want to work. They also have to want to learn. They have to want to adapt. They, especially if you have no work experience, don't tell me you know a better way. Uh, where everybody wants to you know, change the world out of school with something they learned out of a textbook. You know, I, I think they should just stop with half those textbooks because they have no bearing on the real world. All they are, are basic framework, they're guidelines. It's not gospel. You know, even, even in law school, it's all just precedence. It doesn't mean that in, in the law operates in different shades of gray, depending, you know, who your counsel is and who the judge is. And I think people have to understand that. But, you know, if there's something that you could tell me you had a real life experience and I can relate to it that I might say, Oh, this is kind of interesting. Yeah. Maybe, yep. you know, we can work this in over time, but let, let's see how you do it my way first before you try to suggest it your way. Yeah. And, um, it's, uh, it's incredibly interesting that you noted that both now and before that the educational system may be actually failing the young generations, because if we're not teaching them, I mean, balancing one's checkbook, if you have a program for it, is no longer the skill that you need. But household budgeting? Who doesn't need a household budget process? Yeah, exactly. I mean, skills are one dimension, but, like, how do you teach somebody if it's to be, it's up to me, right? Uh, that, that, that's, hard, that's harder. I mean, I'm sorry, Steve, say that again. How do you, how teach, do you teach somebody to adopt the attitude that if it's to be, it's up to me? Like to be uh, to, to be a responsible agent, uh, that that is not. I don't think that that ethos is being driven in our university system 
uh, at all uh, right now. No. I, I think that there, I think there's a lot of emphasis around identifying other people that are you know responsible for your failures uh, is as a rule in, in, in a lot of the educational frameworks that I that I experience uh, with, yeah. and, and, and that's the most important to me. That's the most important uh, commodity. To me, the the differentiator there is the extracurriculars. You know, are you a member of a group that serves like the military? Are you, um, you know, a leader for youth where like, you know, the scouts, do you need to teach? Do you need to be responsible for other people? Do you need to have learned, um, you know, were you, were you a counselor in camp? Did you need to be responsible for kids making sure that they, you know, cleaned up after themselves and, you know, didn't kill each other quite literally? Like, you know, that's to me... Um, that's to me true mind-opening leadership, particularly for the places that really care and you know do well. Yeah, you, that, you make a great point there. I mean, like you get you get somebody that's been in a band. I mean that that person mm-hmm. knows how to play team, right? Or somebody's on the lax uh, team. You know, those individuals know what it means to to play for the you know, the greater good, and uh, you don't get that in the classroom. You're right about that. That's a great point. Yeah, you know, uh, we're joined here by Greg, who's the producer of the show. He jumped in, and Greg is, uh, you know, going to potentially have some interesting perspectives, especially because he's, he's got a few less gray hairs than uh, than, than the rest of us do. Uh, Greg, maybe just uh, throw in some observations about school and uh, what do you think is being taught, is not being taught, should be taught, and, you know, as somebody who plays, uh, you know, organized sports, what do you think about, you know, the comments that Stephen made earlier about yeah, I, I look at it from two perspectives. One, I I think that there is a motivational aspect where people of my age, they don't want to work as hard. And I think that that is due to our, you know, just prevalence in technology. We grew up with it. And, you know, I always like to say like the greatest generation are those, the World War II guys. You know, everyone thinks of them as just the hardest working guys. But you know, we were, I was born in 1996. There's nothing I can do about that. And so I'm lucky enough to have had parents that kind of forced me into organized sports and forced me to learn how to work hard. And if you have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning to work out, then you do. But I'd say 1% of my generation will honestly even do that. And in terms of kind of, you guys were talking earlier about how they expect a million dollars their first year. It's, it's almost... And I, I hate to say it about my generation, there isn't really a respect for authority anymore. Um, I, you know, going to college, I was 18, and my college lacrosse coach kind of ran it in a military style. You know, we had 4:30 a.m. practices four days a week. So if you if you talked back, if you did anything of that sense, you're running, and it's kind of you learn there is one man in charge. If you start a job, that person of authority is, you know, your authority. You understand what they say and you do what they say and you do it to the best of your ability but that's just not what's being taught anymore you know it's kind of being taught that you use technology to get through the hard stuff and anything after that you know that's not your fault you know we'll do better it's nothing's tailored towards you anymore it's just kind of trying to get kids through a system it's not necessarily trying to help them well the, con- the context for that is it, it, you know what comes up for me is i have a friend who's a professor in a school and and uh, he, he constantly is, you know, complaining that, uh, you know, they pay me, you know, I've spent a lot of time getting educated. They pay me a lot of money to sit up and teach. And the kids, my kids, the students, they're not holding me as an expert 
and seeking to learn uh, from the things that I've learned. They, they're constantly checking me. They're looking for me. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to correct me. They're trying, they, they have a lot of issues beyond what's being learned that come in the classroom. Uh, I think there's a lot of rewards for this idea of students being activists. And there's a lot of good in that. But the, the, the bad side is, is that the whole construct for teaching and learning and getting information transfer is disrupted by the idea that, you know, students know more than the teacher, than the teacher does. And, and, and I think that that is, uh, I think that comes into the workforce in the form of, you know, what you're, what, you know, what Erwin's talking about, somebody wanting to make a million dollars in the first year. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, it, I don't know where all that's coming from. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm not a social scientist, but I think that those things are real. And, you know, if you're young and you want to get in and make a difference, you know, you know, I think you should be really cognizant of that and go the other direction because the, the, the world's hungry for, for young talent and particularly hungry for young talent that gets that, that, you know, that they're, that they're responsible for themselves and responsible for figuring stuff out and, and, and actually adding value um, in order to get paid. Steve, I, I like what you're saying, and I'll, I'll, I'll go back to something you said a couple of minutes ago, and, um, and that is the challenging of authority through knowledge um, you know, it's something that I heard when I was probably in high school, maybe early college, a friend of mine who went to prep school used to say that the way they would go back and challenge their teacher was they would pick some author that it was likely that the teacher had not read and said, but doesn't Dostoevsky say something different? And at some point they would pick some author that the teacher had to admit, well, I have not read, you know author xyz and then but with today with google and, and then all credibility has disappeared but today with google you can find any information that you could possibly want so maybe erwin can take us away a little bit about hmm. you know how do you bridge the gap between um the difference between infinite knowledge which is what we have and maybe if one could say that wisdom is the ability to apply that knowledge intelligently contextually being able to understand how to use it properly well i don't think we have infinite knowledge and wisdom because we're always learning but uh, i i you know if if i did i wouldn't be on this call uh i'd be on an island somewhere what do you mean uh, you totally wanted to be on this call you don't know. that's such a disrespect man i can't believe you went there <laughs> you no. sure wanted to be on this call no i probably would still be on the call but i'd be a little i'd be really full of myself and you know you would ever be able to get a word in uh if that was the case <laughs> but i you know it's you know we all it, it's a learning process and and i i think we as we take it in we have to be able to relate to uh, other generations to try to instill upon them the knowledge and the wisdom, uh, especially in the financial sector or even in real estate. You look at what's going on now with all the, the, the mounting walls of maturities and potential defaults. And and when you talk to some of these people who are out of grad school, they're maybe 30 years old or in their 30s, and, and they're like, what do you mean interest rates aren't going to drop next week? They have to. You know, look at Blackstone and Starwood. They have trillions of dollars of real estate there. They're going to lose money. I'm like, well, you know, so not everybody makes money all the time. Some people have to lose for others to make. And there's a cycle. It's about how aggressive you are in your assumptions, either with life, with finance, with budgeting, uh, which really ends up rewarding people. 
you know, it's not always, you know, the, the hare doesn't beat the tortoise. Very few times in the long term does the hare win over the tortoise. And, and it's getting people to really understand cycles that they haven't seen and to maybe try to educate them so they can, at one point, be a smarter person. Maybe from the young person's perspective, and how would you and or your peers wish to learn from people who have been around the block once or twice? Well, I think it's kind of twofold in the sense where people are going to have to start to understand that uh, the new generation isn't the same as, you know, when you guys were 27. It's different. It's vastly different, right? And you're right. I, I can't even that. remember back that far. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> seems like yesterday to me. I, I, I'm shocked. Yeah, it's, it's really both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it is. And it's like there's certain situations where, you know, I am lucky where I get to kind of look something up on my phone. If, if I were to be speaking to Steve for the first time and I'm blanking right now on who he had worked for and I should have done my preparation the night before, but I can all of a sudden go and look right away. You know, if you guys had done that, you're going into that blank and I, you know, I'm blessed with that opportunity. So I don't have to work as hard in that situation. But what people my age have to learn is that you're not always going to be saved by technology. So if you utilize it to the point where you use the technology as a resource, instead of using it as your, your backup plan, then you'll actually kind of succeed. And, you know, if you do wake up at 6 a.m. to go grind, and as Irwin said, you got to put in your hours. Everyone did. You know, when I was working in medical device, it was 90 hours a week because the guys before you did that. You know, when I was a freshman on the lacrosse team, I was staying after to clean up all the balls and even do the laundry because the guys before you did that. But, you know, if you're going to complain, then you're not going to have a place anywhere. So there's, there's a certain level of uh my favorite line is just picking yourself up by your own bootstraps like people at my age need to learn that no one's gonna save you at 27 it's it's not college and that is something that they need to really start teaching whether you start in middle school high school or obviously at college you got to teach kids that the real world is not nice and it's not great so you better learn to be tough and you better learn to get knocked down and get back up I think we've got to take all these young people and stick them on an island where there's no cellular data, no Wi-Fi, and take away their phones and their Netflix and their Amazon streaming and let them to actually talk to people and learn how to communicate. Uh, big deal. It is yeah, a big I think deal. The, uh, I, I, I'm, not so, I mean, I'm not so enrolled in it it's because of technology. I, 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 I'm not sure that's, that's it, but the, the defining feature in what I see for young people, and, and forget that, for everybody, is there that between the haves and the have-nots is attitude. And, uh, you know, it's like everyone always interviews, of course everyone cares about attitude, but everyone interviews for, like, knowledge accumulation, for analytical reasoning, for, you know, uh, you know, understanding the context with which we operate in and everything else. But, you know, nine times out of ten, the, 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 the people that are sitting in the finish line making that million-dollar paycheck – are the people that don't put themselves over everybody else, dig in, and really contribute. Because that's why you get paid big bucks, because you're making things happen, you know. And uh, I don't think that's being taught in a lot of places. It's certainly not emphasized in, you know, the culture today. But I, I, think, that's the, um, I think that's the number one differentiator for talent. Yeah, and, uh, you know, on our next podcast, or maybe the next time we discuss this, 
because this was certainly fascinating, and I'm sure we can go for at least another hour, and Monty will uh, probably be not happy about that one. So, um, yeah, on that note, I wanted to say that there's probably a little bit of abundance, or maybe even overabundance, that is part and parcel of the same issue, meaning like, you know, there, there's been studies done about uh, with the children of alcoholics, you know, some of which become alcoholics themselves, and others which utterly and completely reject that lifestyle choice, addiction, call it whatever it is. I'm not, I'm not a doctor, nor near do I purport to know much about this, other than the fact that different generations respond to the circumstances of their birth very differently. And is that genetic? Is that a decision? Where did that come from? How does one go about, you know, put it, putting themselves in everything we talked about? having the right attitude, having the right education, putting yourself um, in a learning mindset, assuming that the responsibility begins and ends with you and taking, ma making sure that if the world knocks you down, you pick yourself up by the bootstraps. It's not the end of the world. Frankly, it's a learning experience. So those I think are, are interesting topics for further conversation. And, uh, I want to thank Erwin. I want to thank Steve for joining me today. Sure and Visionaries podcast. It was a great conversation around the growth and um, even the leadership mindset. So appreciate you both and uh, look forward to speaking to you again um, soon.